Hello, I'm Dwayne Peters with the Lupus Foundation of America, which is the founder and owner of the open access journal Lupus Science and Medicine that is produced by BMJ. On this podcast, we will be speaking with Professor Ronald von Vollenhoven, the co-editor-in-chief of Lupus Science and Medicine. Professor von Vollenhoven is chair of the Department of Rheumatology and Clinical Immunology at the Amsterdam University Medical Centers and director of the Amsterdam Rheumatology and Immunology Center, ARC, in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Our topic in this podcast is a wrap-up of the 14th International Congress on Systemic Lupus Erythematosus, the Lupus 2021 meeting, together with the 6th International Congress on Controversies in Rheumatology and Autoimmunity, the CORA Conference. Professor von Wollenhoven, welcome to our podcast. Let's begin by telling our listeners something about the Congress, who participates, and what topics are covered during this event. So I have just gotten back from the International Congress on Systemic Lupus Erythematosus, which is a large, large Congress that takes place every third or sometimes every second year in locations in different places of the world, as of course you would suggest with a name like International. And this year, 2021, a Congress was going to be taking place in Venice, Italy, which we were all, of course, looking forward to very much. But unfortunately, COVID made it impossible. So it was an online meeting, a digital meeting, as we have now come to learn to live with. But it's a very big and important meeting where everybody who is involved in lupus and systemic lupus erythematosus can learn things, can share things, can participate. There were about a thousand people that had signed up. That includes patients who are also more than welcome, healthcare providers, both doctors, nurses, and also, of course, researchers. Program was spread out over four days. Uh, there were live sessions, I mean, live on the internet, plenary sessions. There were sessions that were running in parallel with different topics. There were debates. There were also some interactive elements. There were meet the professor sessions, a little bit of everything, just as you would expect with a live Congress. And I think that the organizers did a wonderful job. They obviously had the help of a really, really good program with contributions from hundreds of people from all around the world, but they also did a very nice job on the layout, on the feel that you got when you went to the homepage. I think we've gotten the closest with this Congress to having a real Congress experience. All right, so let's dive into some of the presentations about lupus that you found informative during the Congress. So the Lupus Congress this year was very much in the spirit of optimism and hope for the future. And this is undoubtedly influenced to a great extent by the approval this year of no less than two completely new drugs and a new approval for an existing drug. So just to very briefly summarize, anifrolumab was approved in the United States, also in Japan, but not yet in Europe. So we're a little bit behind here. It was approved for patients with systemic lupus erythematosus in the United States. And voclosporin was approved for patients with lupus nephritis, also in the United States. And then belimumab, which of course has been around for a long time, but was not approved for lupus nephritis previously, now received that approval as well. And to have a single calendar year where three drugs are approved for lupus or lupus nephritis is unique. It's never happened before. And it gives us a lot of reason for optimism. And that optimism translated into the meeting. So if you were going around and listening to talks or talking to people, what you would hear a lot is, this is an exciting time. This is a time of big changes. Things are going to be different now for the patient. 
and for the whole field of understanding and managing lupus. Were there any sessions or topics that might be of special interest to our Lupus Science and Medicine podcast listeners? Yeah, so obviously a Congress like this has literally dozens or even hundreds of presentations, and it's hard to do justice to them all. I was very much interested in the presentations having to do with therapeutics. As I mentioned, the fact that new therapeutics are now getting approved is wonderfully exciting. And in addition, we're also learning about those, but also learning about other therapies, what they can do for which patient they can be most effective. I think there's a lot of interest now in also trying to find out what the best approaches are to the patient to find out what is the way that we can harness these new medications in the best possible way for each individual patient. But that's also an area where we still have lots to learn. And I think we're still a little bit in the beginning of a large trail of discovery where we'll find out that maybe certain markers in the blood, laboratory tests, or maybe also clinical elements can tell us which patient is most suited for which treatment or vice versa. So I do think that there's a lot of interest in that. I heard some really good science abstracts where people had investigated the pathways, the markers, and uh, seem to find some correlation with the clinical course and the response to certain therapeutics. So I'm hoping that that will be carried forward. And then, of course, there were also presentations on which medication helps the best for which indication. And of course, especially when it comes to lupus nephritis, there was a very interesting debate on one of the first days of the Congress where the question was, if you now suddenly find yourself in a situation where there's two new approved drugs for lupus nephritis, but of course there's also the established treatments for lupus nephritis, then what do you choose? If you're a doctor and the patient has lupus nephritis, a potentially very serious manifestation of lupus, do you choose the older drugs? Do you choose the newer drugs? Do you choose a combination of the older and the newer ones? And if so, which ones? So quite a difficult question to answer all at once. And there were excellent rheumatologists, nephrologists, specialists in both the rheumatic aspects and in the kidney, and they gave us their views on that. And as you might say, there was no conclusive view that would end the debate. So it was more like an exchange of opinions and views, and then also the hope that with time, this will become more and more clear. Were the sessions that provided some new trends in lupus or perhaps data presented that might stimulate additional research or a new way of thinking about how doctors manage lupus? You know, the novelty in research is often incremental. It's mostly just small steps that end up having a very big impact. So I don't think there was something that I would consider, you know, earth earth shattering or so. But what I did think was that we are learning more and more about the disease itself and about the treatments. And altogether, that means that we will be doing better and better for the patients with both the older treatments where we're learning things and with the newer treatments. I think there was some interest in the question about hydroxychloroquine. And uh, so I can talk a little bit about it, but uh, with self-interest, because I was one of the people debating it. It was actually an idea from the organizers, Professor Andrea Doria and his colleagues, who did a great job in, in putting together a wonderful program. And they asked Professor Nathalie Costa Dois Chalumeau from Paris and me to discuss hydroxychloroquine. And of course, Nathalie has done phenomenal work on finding out how you can best use hydroxychloroquine and especially the point of monitoring the serum levels. It turns out that you can actually guide that treatment much more effectively if you measure the serum levels. And there is an issue with perhaps the degree to which patients take it as prescribed is not as high as what we thought it would be. And that was her message, and her message is totally right. She's completely on the ball. But 
my message was a little bit different because I think that for all the good things you can say about hydroxychloroquine, which is that it's a, an established medication, it has efficacy, and it is mostly very safe. But having said that, my point was also that we should not overplay its efficacy, that the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine is at a modest level. And I went through the literature, which is an interesting literature because there's actually not that many studies that investigate how effective hydroxychloroquine really is. There are some studies, but not so many. And the ones that are there are not so strongly supportive, as you might think. Then there are lots of articles written about hydroxychloroquine, opinion pieces that say that it's a very important drug that should be taken by all patients. And my take on it is, and this was asked of me, of course, uh, during the debate also, what do you think? I, I think it should certainly be considered for all patients. You know, that you really have to give it thought and it can be a very reasonable choice for many patients, but we shouldn't create the impression that if only we took hydroxychloroquine, everything would be solved because that is unfortunately not the case. I think the data that are in the literature make it very clear that it is an effective treatment, but at a very modest level of efficacy. Were there any presentations about data from early clinical trials of potential lupus treatments that might look promising? I know there were absolutely some clinical trials in an early stage that looked promising. Actually, there were so many that would be hard to do them all justice. So I'll just mention a few that I know of and that I think were interesting. So there was a trial that I have not been involved in with obinutuzumab, which is a monoclonal antibody against the B cells. And it's similar to rituximab, but maybe more effective at the tissue level. And some very encouraging data have been reported but not yet really published in lupus nephritis with that molecule. Then I was involved in a program with the BIB-059 antibody, which is a monoclonal antibody directed against the plasma cytoid dendritic cell. Now, if you're not familiar with that, you don't have to feel ashamed because it's a white blood cell that is very infrequent in the bloodstream. There is about 1% of the white blood cells is a plasma cytoid dendritic cell. But these are actually very important cells because they are the ones that produce the interferon alpha. And interferon alpha, as we now understand it, is a very important messaging molecule that in lupus unfortunately is produced at too high levels, which is one of the main contributors to the problems of lupus. So the idea is that you slow down these plasma cytoid dendritic cells, and it turns out that you can do that with the BIBO-59 monoclonal. And the trial that was reported actually had already established that it was effective in this small trial. Of course, it has to be repeated in a bigger phase three trial. But I had the opportunity to also discuss the way that it impacts on the swollen and the painful joints in patients with lupus. Lupus is a bit funny that way because people can have a lot of symptoms from the joints without it being so very obvious. It's not like rheumatoid arthritis where the joints are very swollen. In lupus, the swelling is often more subtle, but the pain can be very real and it can be quite a big burden on the patient. So we analyzed the joint symptoms in these patients in a variety of ways and found that uh, whether you count the joints as swelling or as tenderness, or whether you use the bileg or the SLIDE criteria, which are all a little bit different, it actually shows the same pattern, which is that with this treatment, there is an improvement in the joint symptoms that is both statistically robust and also meaningful for the patient. So that gives us hope that with this treatment in the future, there will be an additional way to treat patients who have a lot of problems with their joints as a result of SLE. We are now more than 18 months into this pandemic, which has greatly disrupted travel and professional meetings like this International Scientific Congress. Do you believe that going forward, online meetings will always be part of the way in which we present new research findings and clinical data? 
Dwayne, that's an excellent question. What is the world going to be like after COVID? And will it be back completely to where we used to be or not? I think that we have learned some things. I think we have learned that meetings don't have to always be live. We used to travel a tremendous amount just to meet people at airports. That's actually not so much fun. And so I think that when everything settles down after COVID, and let's hope it won't take too long anymore, then we will be doing more things online. We've also had the fortunate circumstance over these past few years that there were already some good online platforms and they were actually relatively new. I think Zoom has only been around for four or five years. Imagine we would have had the... Um, the COVID pandemic without Zoom and without Teams and without GoToMeeting and without all the other ones, it would have been just a very, very different experience. Now, fortunately, we did have these platforms and they were fortunate that everybody started using them. So they also made a lot of improvements. And so that's actually one of the positive benefits that we are going to get from this COVID pandemic that we'll have access to better digital tools to have our meetings. And that's what we'll be doing. But I do believe that we need these meetings, and I mean not online, I mean the actual physical meetings, and that we will still be having them. The International Lupus Congress is a good example. It's not every year, it's every other or every third year. It's a very, very good occasion for those who work with lupus, but also the patients and also the the healthcare providers and the researchers to meet one another, to see one another, to experience more of each other's presence. And that will actually always have to be there. So I think that we will be going back to those congresses. And what we will probably do less of are these smaller meetings. Like I said, when you fly a group of 20 people to an airport, just to sit there for a day and talk, that is maybe not really necessary. Well, it appears that for the immediate future, at least, these meetings will continue to be presented online. Hopefully by this time next year, we'll be able to put COVID behind us and begin meeting face-to-face -face once again. I do want to make a little plug for the European Lupus Congress in 2022. So a year from now, there was going to be what promises to be a very exciting live Congress about lupus in Stockholm, Sweden. It will be organized by Professor Elisabeth Svendungsson, who is a good friend and colleague, and she has made very significant marks in the field of lupus therapeutics and also especially cardiovascular complications of lupus and many other aspects. And I'm sure she will do a wonderful job in organizing the European Lupus Congress 2022. You can learn more about next year's meeting by searching online for European Lupus Congress. Professor von Vollenhoven, any final thoughts that you wish to share? Well, I think it's an exciting time to be involved in systemic lupus erythematosus. I should maybe also mention that when we were at the Congress and listening to presentations, it was encouraging for many of my colleagues, but also for me as the editor-in-chief of Lupus Science and Medicine, how often articles from Lupus Science and Medicine were cited. You know, that's, I think, a very strong testament for the quality of our journal. People are giving review presentations where they just go over the literature on a certain topic. And without there being any external pressure to do so, they give us the references to articles from lupus science and medicine. I think that's, I think that's a very nice thing. Well, thank you, Professor, for taking time to share your impressions about the Lupus 2021 meeting. Our listeners can learn more about the 14th International Congress on Systemic Lupus Erythematosus, Lupus 2021, by logging on to the Congress's website at lupus2021.canis.com. That's K-E-N-E-S dot C-O-M. We have been speaking with Professor Ronald von Vollenhoven, the co-editor-in-chief of Lupus Science and Medicine. He is chair of the Department of Rheumatology and Clinical Immunology at the Amsterdam University Medical Centers and director of the Amsterdam Rheumatology and Immunology Center, ARC, in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. 
For Lupus Science and Medicine and BMJ, I'm Dwayne Peters with the Lupus Foundation of America. Thank you for listening.